Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 320 Club podcast. Why is it called the 320 Club? Well, 420 was already taken, and happy hour is happening somewhere else. This is part two of our episode called A Canadian Space Odyssey. It really needs no more introduction, so let's dive right back into where we left off. It's funny that you say that, because considering NASA was founded on a principle of, you know, a democracy-focused style, you know, against the Soviet socialism. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, they had a socialist view on how they control space. Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> it's so funny. No. There's no. nothing wrong with that, to be honest. Like, it's okay to have that, right? I know, I, mean, I know. But it's nice to contrast Here's the thing. We've actually, it's funny, though. It's funny, though, you mentioned that because I think we've forgotten some of those values. I think because we were talking about that earlier too, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind yeah, of bring it in, bring go it in. away a little bit from the business business cases a little bit, but I wanted to go back and nerd out a little bit because we were talking a little bit about uh, Stranger Things. Yeah, I love that show. Love and that show. so, so I, have you have you watched Stranger Things there, Whiskey? No, no, I haven't. I've seen all of them, but the current season. Okay, so I'll, I won't spoil too much for you, and I won't spoil much for because it's only literally been out for the last couple of days. But I'm July sure 4th, most people Independence yeah, Day. Yeah, it was great. It was so good. <laughs> but they started off this season, uh, and the first thing that happens is uh, they reintroduce the Soviets. It's like the biggest '80s trope they could do, and it's just like '80s trope after '80s trope, and it's like it's so good. But I thought it was great that they did that. It was just like, we need to bring back the Soviets as the bad guy because we need to be reminded, I think. Like, the, I was, we were talking about this I on the way you up. just watch the news a little bit more. <laughs> but people forget that. They forget that. I, I don't know. Like, people forget that they're, like, there's some, it never died. Like we talked about my uh, my uh, Russian history prof. Uh, he had a great saying. He said, uh, "You know, since Catherine the Great, the Russians were up and they were down, but they were never out." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sort of and they do. They come and they go. And I think yeah. we're, we're seeing some of that, which again is is interesting when you think about you know what's going on with the space programs, what's going on in international relations. Uh, you know, like when I when I, so I became a young adult, uh, we were coming to the end of the Soviet Union's time and the end of the non permissive world. Yet uh, here we are, right back at it again. So mm-hmm. again, what goes around comes around. That's some ways yeah they never really uh, they never really went away yeah. um i was gonna segue that into uh tv and all that kind of stuff yeah let's talk about like let's talk about space on television have you watched the expanse uh no i have not no it's no. good i've watched lost in space though yeah you've seen lost in space no i saw the first Remake. couple episodes i never i never finished lost it. space was pretty good what do yeah. you think of that yeah i the 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 netflix remake yes yes i thought it was pretty good yeah i did too um, I'm trying to so I don't get mixed up the movie and the Netflix one and the old movie and some of the other movies. Oh yeah, what was all his, Matt LeBlanc? Things. Matt LeBlanc did a movie so, once. Once upon a time, Matt we don't Le, talk about Matt it. Blank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the one I was talking about. They had the ro- the robot that could articulate and stuff. Was the girl's pet basically? Yes. yes. The girl's pet. Not the yeah, I like that one. Yeah. I find it interesting now because if you watch, this is the other place where where space sort of influences things is that as these new shows come out and as they, you know, sort of reinvent themselves and reinvent the space theme in in entertainment and in fiction, um, they get better and better as more space fact Mm -hmm. is revealed, the more space fiction works we expect it to get it right just so you know dream job is a science consultant on a on a space yeah, yeah well i think about like <laughs> like look at the martian with matt damon i mean yeah so that first, was really good yeah, yeah so first of all hollywood should stop sending that guy anywhere because i don't know how much money they spend on saving that guy you know matt, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> 
How many times does Hollywood? How many times does Hollywood have to save Matt Damon's ass? This I is mean, true. Saving know? Private Ryan, yeah, yeah. Uh, The Martian. Yeah. What was another In, one? Interstellar. He was In, at the other end of Interstellar. That's right. Too. That's right. Elysium yeah. was a bit of yeah, saving. Elysium. He was a bit of saving. That's like, right. Like, that's right. I don't know how much time Hollywood has spent saving Matt Damon. They should just lock him in a room and never let him leave. <laughs> you know? But but you look at The Martian and you you think about uh, you know Goodwill Hunting. I guess yeah, that's yeah, another one. Goodwill Hunting was Ben Affleck though. No, no, it was well, Matt Damon. Matt Damon it was all about it was all about Matt Damon's uh, relationship with his father. It was a psychology movie. Yeah. It's not up your alley. You don't like it those was kinds good. It was of Harvard, things. Harvard, uh, but there's mathematics in there. So yes, yes, like MIT, MIT. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, you look at that and you kind of go, you know, you can't just make a space movie now and get away with stuff. You have to actually kind of, you know, put that that hard engineering and science in there now because we have seen it with our own eyes in the real world. And so when we go to the movie theater and want to watch fiction, I can suspend my belief to a point. Yeah. But yeah, I have but, expectations. But def- yeah, yeah, I agree like, and disagree. It's like we go I mean, and watch Star Wars. We know. Yeah, yeah, but you ever have Space so, Wizards? So, so, Let's, so, we'll, 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 so, yeah, I know, def- I know. <laughs> the fun, one of the fundamental premises, though, about fiction before we even hit the science part is that you have to be willing to suspend your disbelief. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. And... You know, like I, I watch a lot of shows because I need to suspend my beliefs. Because if I just focus on what's going on, that yeah. would just go mad. Um, <laughs> but it's okay with the genre, or it's okay with something like Star Wars because people are going more so for the storytelling experience, not like not for the last few movies at least, but for the original trilogy and that kind well, of stuff. I mean, you but, go to our Pacific but it's, it's a space opera, right? That's what they Pacific used to call it. Pacific Rim with their version of science. Oh, Battletech, yeah. Well, I go to that just because I want to watch giant-ass interdimensional aliens fight giant-ass robots, giant and I'm going to be... I don't care uh, about suspension. interdimensional portal. Yeah, so, so I don't care the about... the of the ocean. Okay, sure, why not? I don't care. I don't Where's care. Where's the water going? I am going there to be entertained because I want to hey. see Gojira take over. Simple, simple, simple question. Are you Autobot or Decepticon, right? <laughs> yeah. That's what it That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. I, told, I don't care about that. Like, but... When you want to have your suspension disbelief, or, or your suspension disbelief, okay, apparently I've been drinking whiskey. When you want to have your belief suspended, um, or, or if you want to have a little bit of realism, I got to recommend to you a great show called The Expanse. Yes, I've heard it. Uh, it's funny, it's, you mentioned it, a couple of people have mentioned it to me, and I, I'm going to have to get on it. It's yeah. good. It yeah. is so good. I, I, love, I love space movies, and I love science fiction because I love the way that people interpret engineering and interpret science yeah. and then dream about how it may be applied. Yeah. Right? This is what made the original Star Trek series so good. It's they, true. They took a lot of facts and they said, the what if. Yeah. What if we could take it this far? Yeah. What if we could turn it into this much? So yeah. tricorders, replicators, uh, transporters. And, and now, now we have that shit. And yeah, exactly. That's hilarious. And now here we are again doing it again. We're going, well, what if you could do this? Yeah. What if you could do that? And I, yeah. I really, that's, that's the kind of stuff that gives me hope. So the expanse the the story behind the expanse is like um i try and equate it to it's a it's a science fiction version of game of thrones oh wow um it is it is epic and it's in its scale and its size so i guess the idea is that uh the un governs the earth and the moon um the ice caps melted long ago that's fiction okay i know yeah yeah so you're yeah you're not (laughs) buying into it already no no Uh, mars has become like this military colony and uh, there's a uh, there's a Arnold Schwarzenegger there. No, 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 no. It's not like that. Uh, it's like it's actually pretty well done. They have the it's I can't remember the name of the of the institution that they call it or whatever. But um, and then there's the belt between Mars and Jupiter. 
Yes. And then there's a series of moons that they uh, that they have like mining colonies, but they have like a literal. There's a whole population of people who are born and raised and live and die out in the belt. They call them oh, belters. Yeah. And they sh- and the guy who wrote the books, it's uh, it's, it's Le- is it Le- Leviathan or something? I can't remember the name of the series. But um, the guy who wrote the books, he tried to um, tried to create a situation in which. What would actually happen if people were born and raised outside, off the earth, earth, out in the asteroid belt? So, and like he talked about the geopolitics or the inter interplanetary politics of the whole thing. Like, people who are born and raised out in the belt, their bones aren't formed properly. They're super. Yeah, you mentioned they're super tall. They're all very tall because they're always in zero gravity. Um, uh, and they and they have like they look like heroin addicts because they're super skinny. They have no density to their bones or anything like that. The people on Mars, because the gravity on Mars is less than that of Earth. It's about one-sixth. So because it's a military colony, they train as if they're going to invade Earth. So they train in 1G. Hmm. It's kind of interesting. Like they yeah, talk about the, yeah. the fine details, how yeah. they how they how and they in navigate one particular that. scene they actually torture an individual. Okay. That's a a non That's a Martian or a Martian, belter. A belter yeah. by just hanging Putting them in, in one G and just let them hang there. Let them hang yeah. there. It's interesting because he doesn't have the power. To I mean, move it himself. is true. So, so when you go into microgravity, your skeleton uh, begins to atrophy. Uh, so, for example, the uh, the average astronaut on the International Space Station spends about two and a half hours a day exercising just to <clears throat> just to stave off atrophy and osteoporosis wow. of the skeletal uh, structure because your bones begin to basically basically come apart because you don't have that that pull. That's crazy. Um, in in a Martian atmosphere, we you know we we understand the the time that it would take to get there, how long you'd want to stay there, how long it would take to get back, and as a result, we already understand that there's going to be physiological effects on the human body to get there. And so, for somebody to be born off of the planet to not even have the the basics. Um, well, there's a couple of things in there. One would be the skeletal structure. Another one would be your susceptibility to radiation, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which is another thing that we tend not to think about yeah. um, as well. The other reason, to, there's a reason why, for example, there's a reason why Mars doesn't have an atmosphere and could never have one, despite all these crazy ideas about you know detonating nuclear bombs on Mars to, to create an atmosphere and all this other junk. Uh, there's this thing called solar wind that comes off our sun, which is why we have an atmosphere here on Earth and other planets do not. Hmm. So if you had a person born outside of Earth, Earth, they would be born outside of the Van Allen belt, outside the radiational shields that our atmosphere provides. So you'd either have a person who was automatically able to function in a high radiation atmosphere because the average uh, astronaut on the International Space Station uh, suffers about 12 to 18 x-rays a day. Oh, uh, Jesus. uh, Even despite the radiation shielding that's in the station. So, so what kind of uh, what kind of person would you be if you were born off the planet? Yeah. Well, the identical planet. twins that were astronauts—they're no longer identical twins. That's right. Those—they're oh, yeah, no astro- longer identical yeah, twins. Yeah, no longer identical. That's right. Yeah, those guys are amazing uh, to think about. You know, two huh. guys, two twins. Uh, you know, one guy spends a year in space, uh, just and then basically he's a test subject for the rest of his life. Wow. Uh, but uh, but you're right. So so if you were born off this planet, yeah, what would you look like? Huh. And what would your body look like, and what could it take, and what yeah. maybe it couldn't take? That is pretty fascinating. You know? Would you? What would you? How would your hearing work? You know, would your eyeballs be the same? You know, hmm. so yeah, that's pretty cool. Hence, hence the aliens. Yes, they yeah. have they have aliens in the expanse yes, too. We must talk about aliens at yes. some point. We do, we do. Um, well, obviously, you think that there's aliens out there. I think there. Well, aliens. I think there's life out there. 
Um, yeah, I'm a believer for, of the Drake equation. If we the Drake equation, yeah, can so, you explain that? Yeah, sure, sure. Can, so can you, can you wrap it? <laughs> can I wrap what the Drake equation? I'm not that good. <laughs> Jeez, you know what? Now I'm gonna go home and practice. See, now that. you're making jokes that I don't understand. <laughs> no, I'm gonna go home and practice that. I wish I could make that. That's that'd be awesome. So, so the Drake equation is this basically. Um, you know, I'll put I'll put it very simply. Um, there is an equation that that basically a general formula that has been written out that says that all things being equal. Given the number of stars in the in the immediate galaxy, never mind the universe, we'll just simplify it even further. And the number of stars that are the same age and composition as our own sun, and the number of stars that would potentially have planets formed around them, uh, whether gaseous or solid, and the number of stars with planets around them that would have planets within the belt that would be considered the belt of livability. Therefore, you're not you're basically one astronomical unit from your sun, mm. and so forth and so on, until you get to the point where you say the number of Earth-like planets that would be out there. Even if we were very conservative about that, uh, we would be in the billions of possibilities because there wow. are that many stars in the, in the immediate galaxy, the arm of the galaxy. So, so to think that we were the only planet ever to basically create life as we know it, um, statistically, it's almost impossible that we're alone. Okay. And then beyond that, but the Drake equation has one other important little addendum to it, which is that if you accept that all civilizations uh, evolve as we did and all come to various turning points in their, in their evolution, um, we have interestingly avoided annihilating ourselves. So, you know, we get so far. Yeah, so far. So we get to the <laughs> point where we create atomic energy and we don't actually blow each other to smithereens and wipe all life off this planet. So there are people who have suggested that the reason why nobody answers our phone calls was we send all these signals out into space and say, hey, where are you? We're here. Come and talk to us. Uh, part of the reason why nobody has answered is because perhaps we're the only people who have actually made it to that next step, which is not to blow yourselves to smithereens. Well, there's also distance and time involved there, too. The amount of time it takes to send a message oh, for somebody to certainly. receive it and then for them to send it back to us. Like a lot of the stars that you see in the sky are just, they're photographs, they're remnants. They're stars that That's are right. long gone. Oh, they're We're long about gone. to teach rocks. No, no, no. I, I watched Cosmos. <laughs> I watched Cosmos. Yeah, they're, they're, it's okay. Right. Yeah, they're in the past. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but the idea that we would ever see them or meet them is, is highly unlikely. And then you were kind of alluding to it. Like there's this, uh, I've heard of this theory too. Like there's this great barrier that happens for any civilization. The, the uh, It's a theory that... Uh, uh, over time, there's a there's a great barrier where very few civilizations civilizations get through it, or right, if any it. at all. Yeah. yeah. So we don't know where this barrier takes place. What at what point? We don't know if we're if we haven't hit it yet, or if we're about to hit it, or if we've passed it, uh, and then all of a sudden we're the only ones out here. And Maybe now else, I get to right? show the premise sliders. The well, premise sliders? Yeah, potentially. Or or worse still, which is, you know, be careful who you call, right? Yeah. Like that annoying neighbor that you hate that shows up at your barbecues. Well, you know, be careful who actually shows up. This is what it creates all these like, disaster alien movies. Yeah, right? yeah. Which is when... Independence you know, Day. Because exactly, we, under, yeah. we understand, we understand v, v. from our own history that uh, resources are precious and we're always competing for resources. Yeah. And uh, so what's to stop another you know, life form from doing the same thing with us. Deciding that we're food. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. War of the world. Oh, I was thinking V, the old uh, show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this, this is the thing, right? Which is that, you know, it's almost, it's almost as we understand math, and we have a pretty good understanding of math because we've been able to explain most of the universe that we can see and most of the universe that we can, we can acknowledge 
Um, you know, recently the you know the lady that ran the team that actually has taken the first picture of a black hole, which is just an absolutely remarkable achievement in yeah. itself. I thought it was fascinating. But the fact that we can see so much, we know so much, and we so we kind of had a basic understanding that that we know statistically that we just it's almost impossible that we're alone in this universe. It would just make absolutely it would just go against so many well known formulas that yeah. we are actually alone in this universe. So now the real question becomes is you know who else is out there? How many? And how do you get in touch? And also, more importantly, do you want to get in touch? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's you know, the same. It's, it's the olive branch that you, you can let go of, right? So yeah, absolutely. absolutely. L- let's have a third spot mean place. Let's say Mars. No. Yeah. <laughs> or, uh, you know, the, prime, the prime directive, but turned on us. So, so, yeah. No, it's it's fascinating, but the but problem, we're not even at a point where we can say we're gonna, we're going to do the, make these contacts and protect the planet, and then at the same time when things go awry, we can protect the planet. Yeah, because it's going to take them years to get back. <laughs> yeah, and like it becomes a question then of okay, so we're going to try and take this to its logical conclusion of, you know, so okay, so there is life out there, and maybe we make con- or maybe we can make contact with it, but at the same time, like we can't even figure out how to get ourselves out of bed in the morning half the time. So, like maybe we should focus on what's going on here before we even try that. But oh, I don't. I, but that. But then I'm coming full circle to an argument that I was making earlier too, right? Because yeah. uh, you know you got to go ahead, and it's because of the pursuit of exploration. It's because of those things that you end up solving some of your problems at home. Some would argue, anyway. Well, I, th- I think it's like not everybody can. Not everybody can do the pursuit. I mean, not everybody can fight on the battlefield. Not everybody can, you know, do politics, and not everybody can, you know, do consumerism. I mean, they don't yeah, we make a, I think no, but but it takes it, it takes all kinds. Yeah. So you mean the farm that makes the food is the guy pulling the trigger. Um, so, but he has an important cog in the field. But there's an MRE there that that that, that person eats. An um, MRE? What's that? Marine rations. American meal ready to eat. Meal ready to eat. Meal ready to eat. Is that an American Thanks. thing? Yes. Okay. Um, anyways, moving along. But not everybody has to do it. But not every, trouble getting out of the bed in the morning. Is not everybody supports the same particular aim, right? Right. So no, you raise a good point. You raise a really good point, and um, and to to think about it in terms of we're a collective pursuing some kind of a goal, and we gotta stay concentrated on one goal at a time is absurd because there's too many people, and different people can focus on different tasks at the same time. Well, here's an interesting inject, right? So maybe we're at the beginning of the next turn, right? So if we think back to say about 50, the year 1500 is when globalization begins when the europeans sort of reach out and sort of start to connect the other continents back to europe which is a developed uh, sort of part of the world and the middle east which was a developed part of the world um and so forth and so on and then we've sort of gone through this sort of last three four hundred years of of expansion but now we're at this next stage of the turn which is that we're slowly moving into this near orbit space economy uh, where you know maybe maybe a hundred years from now nobody will have any choice anymore. They will have no choice but to be part of a space economy, part of a space globalization. So you know we may have an outpost on on Mars. We might have a colony on the Moon. We might have more space stations in orbit. We might have a full commercialized like, space program in low Earth orbit. Like competing for real estate around well, the orbit so, of the Earth. Well, let me just give you a simple example. So when I was a little kid, when I was a little kid, and I I. Uh, my family used to drive to Florida every September, uh, which was a family annual vacation. And if I was really, really good and well-behaved, my father would, would relent from his deep-sea fishing and take me to Kennedy Cape Space Center for a day. 
Oh, that's and cool. So I used to, I used to, and this is in nineteen seventy eight, <laughs> seventy nine, or so. So this is before the. You're era. really dating yourself yeah, exactly. here. <laughs> so I, I've kind of given away something, but it's before. It, so give some more. Right out, but it's the you know. Try the good stuff? Yes, please. But it's before the era of the space shuttle. So, and this is my point. This is why it's important. I warn so, you, he made this himself. As Bart Simpson said, Chateau Maison. Yeah. Uh, but, but the point was that I used to go to the museum at the Kennedy Space Center in 1978-79 and I look at sort of the, um, the displays about the Apollo program and Skylab, which had just concluded in 1975. And there was this conceptual model sitting there and it was this flyable, reusable shuttle spacecraft, which I'd only seen in a James <clears throat> Bond movie. Um, but I looked at this thing, the space shuttle, uh, which was to fly for the first time in 1981. And as a, you know, as a young kid under the age of, under the age of like basically a tween at the time, I firmly believed, I firmly believed that when I grew up, that I would basically work in space, that I would basically be like Dr. Haywood Floyd in 2001 Space Odyssey, where I would take a Pan Am flight up to a space station <laughs> and probably, yeah, that's <laughs> an out-defunct airline that didn't survive. But I, I, I truly did believe because these were guys, I mean, when the space, like people forget this, but when the space shuttle was flying in the early 1980s, they were flying almost every 14 weeks or so. Like they were basically flying, they would fly 12 to 14 missions a year. So that's more than one a month. They were flying basically in a, a casual crew suit and polo shirt with a bike helmet on. You know, they weren't wearing the orange ACES suit, basically the advanced crew evacuation suits that we see them wear today in the very sort of deep space, you know, test pilot helmets, actually, obviously, after various crashes yeah. and explosions. They wore these light, light, like, like That's basically amazing. powdered blue, powdered blue flight suits that were basically as thin as cotton. Huh? And they wore these bike helmets that were basically no thicker than my bike helmet as a kid. It's like, if we're going to die, we're going to die well, in a flaming space pile. Well, all I have to protect me is this cheese grater. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, it, but what it was is it sent a message it sent a message that said hey going to space is going to become so normal it'll be no different than when you get on a bus or get on the metro or get in your car and i honestly believed when i was a little kid in the late 70s and early 80s that when i grew up i could basically get on a ship and get up to orbit just like i would get to work every day because wow. that's how they were selling it and I think that that time is coming. I think we were a little bit like like all things. We tend to. I think un- we've taken think a we step under, back. I think we underfunded. Yeah, the, the, we come the and research go. Well, there's your there's while. your business case. It's like yeah, yeah. the the marketing behind it. It, it well, it took a huge step back. Depending on who was in power, who, no, whatever, it, the, it, whoever is directing it crashed the, it and didn't reinvest any money yeah, to build a new one. Exactly, but, but exactly. We've done that many times. We've done yeah, that with yeah. the air industry. We've done that with uh, with sea travel, and we will do it with space flight as well. Yeah. And I think we're there again. I think we have uh, taken a couple steps forward, yeah. a couple steps back. But the, the the real the real game changer now is that we have allowed wealthy private corporate western democratic interests into the space business and so the jeff bezos the richard bransons the elon musks they are the first ones but there are going to be more after them and once we've let them in there's never you're never going to get them out i'm and sorry okay I'm I'm sorry. Sorry. We, we got we got launch facilities in in, in thompson manitoba that need using yeah in west texas and jeff bezos bought yeah. the property he launches his rockets off yeah. his own real estate <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's fine. Why not? Yeah. I think I mean, yeah, I'm great. sorry. I gotta interrupt here. Yeah, every time I t- every time I hear or talk about Elon Musk, all I can think about is Hank Scorpio <laughs> yeah, from yeah, The yeah, Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, if 
you couldn't have dreamt for a better villain, right? He's got a villain. He like, it's like so in James Bond, right? In uh, in Moonraker, it's Hugo Drax, right? Yeah. Right? And so Elon Musk has got the perfect <laughs> villain name. He would have been a great James Bond villain. Right. So speaking of taking your breath away, so when you're drinking lightning, it is like a quarter sip. Yes. Okay. Be very careful just, with that. Just enough to get your lips wet. It's what, funny what's the I proof on it? From like, so uh, what, uh, what, what's the We're proof on this? We're drinking straight lightning. Yeah. Should I drop a match in this or no? <laughs> no, burn. it'll be okay. It won't it, make it you go burn. blind. It'll burn. Don't worry. Like an immersion heater. Boom. You'll be all right. I just think that's so funny. Anytime we talk about, uh, like, <laughs> it's funny. Like you just want, just looking. Sweet. Just After you get past the burn. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just looking at the bottle here. I'm, I'm actually... Doc, I'm yeah. doctor started the company. I'm actually amazed. It's actually a very sweet... Uh, I like their I like their whiskey. It's strong. I mean, it's 75% alcohol. Yeah. So, you know, that's right. So it's, it's flammable. 150 proof, man. I, it's yeah. flammable at 30%. But you have to tell you, you know, having drank a few moonshines in my day... It's not Slipovich, that's for sure. No. It, yeah, thank God. Yeah, between, no between girls and dinosaurs and space pursuits. <laughs> No, well, and rugby. Well, we said lightning and taking your breath away. Yes, this is true. I'll drink anything that's got the moon on it. I like it. It's good. It's funny. I go back to the Elon Musk thing. It's just like, just even just watching that guy's, uh, you could call it a career or whatever, over the years, over the last, let's say, decade, and just even just his weight gain and weight loss is like the guy, (laughs) the guy fucks and drinks and he just does his own thing and he's just like, I am rich and I'm going to space and I'm going to go on Mars. Well, this is the thing about (laughs) Elon Musk, I think, that is really going to make him stand out in, you know, his, his name will be synonymous with Galileo and, and Doolittle and, uh, you know, Lindbergh and everything. It's the fact that he took on three of the most basic industries in the United States and challenged them. And in two out of three, he basically beat them. So if you think about it, so he... Uh, he Car took companies? On, yeah, he took on the auto industry. Yeah. And I think he failed there because Tesla, I don't think, has quite made it. It so could still. It could still. No. I agree, but I don't... You don't, I don't think so? I don't think he's made it there. I think Tesla's going to have to be a cave-in. But to take on the monoliths of Boeing and Lockheed Martin at the space business, who had locked up the space business, yeah. and said, you know what? Not only am I going to take you on, I'm going to beat you. Yeah. And he has beaten them. Yeah. Because he's reduced, he's reduced the cost of lift by thousands of dollars. That's crazy. Uh, which is crazy because if anybody said to me, well, I'm going to take on the two mega corporations of the world, Boeing and Lockheed Martin, and I'm going to beat them at their own business. Yeah, but they were, That's they, impressive. Uh, let's be straight, though. Let's straight talk. So yeah. the space industry in interstellar stuff was only a minor component of Boeing and Airbus. If you wanted, because... Because these guys also make fighter jet oh, missiles, sure. all of those yeah, defense but, industry but a, pieces. Yeah, that, but there's a prestige piece that goes with space travel that goes yeah. with nothing else. You can build all sorts of fighter jets, but when you build the space shuttle or when you build a cargo capsule or you build a piece of the space station, that has a prestige factor to it. Yeah, yeah, until and, it burns up. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but but Elon Musk came along and said, "Hey, listen, I'm going to do something that nobody else has done. I'm going to make reusable rockets, which is going to cut the cost of a launch in half." And Boeing and Lockheed Martin said, "No way, that's never going to happen." He said, "Yeah, watch me." And, 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 and I and I agree with that. That part I agree with. I mean, I'm always about disruptive technologies. Yeah, and, and it was and, and, and confidence. Very, yeah. 
But I mean, you got to be one part crazy because I mean, he's never yep. made a money, never made any money. Well, SpaceX is actually the most profitable private company on the on the market right now. Really? Yeah. In fact, they're not a publicly traded company. And here's a here's an investing tip for all the listeners out there: <laughs> the day that SpaceX goes on to this public, if they ever decide to go public, buy in right away. Really? Okay, absolutely. Uh, it is amazing how much money they make as a private. company. Well, Elon Musk has a, a has a huge problem with uh, what did what did you call it? It's like these people who uh, buy buy short sellers. Short sellers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You you and your marketing. <laughs> it's not marketing. Okay. I know it's not marketing, but anyway, business administration. I'm gonna throw my phone. At you. Yeah. Okay. You go ahead and do it. The one that keeps buzzing all the time. Because um, someone's important and you're not. Oh, what's up? No, oh, housefly. Okay, um, yeah. No, it's kind of it's interesting. But so, yeah, Elon Musk. He had a huge problem with these short sellers. Well, no, actually, he, he, like he, he's actually, like vehemently no, opposed it against dawned them. On, just dawned on me. So NASA stopped investing in rockets. SpaceX was the first private company in order to replace basic replace basically NASA, yep. and with no competition. Yeah. The two billion was their profit margin last year. Yeah. So what mm-hmm. happened was that uh, you let, there was a company called ULA, United Launch Alliance. They used to do all of the management for the space shuttle program. Uh, when the space shuttle program concluded in 2011, after the 135th flight of the space shuttle of an experimental aircraft, by the way, it was supposed to be. It was never supposed to be an operational spacecraft. It was a temporary uh, spacecraft that Nixon had pushed through that became a permanent. We like, have a we have t- an experimental space yeah. station. Wow. <laughs> typical typical government, right? You yeah. know, nothing more permanent than a temporary solution. That's hilarious. Uh, and so, all hydrogens are temporary solutions. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. so but when when ULA wrapped up in in uh, 2011 2012 when the space shuttle program concluded, America found itself with no access to space. And so they had to rely on the Russians to get to the space station. The that, and, and the Russians have been the main uh, access to space. And this has been a big dent in the American pride because if you can't get your own folks into space, it just it just says a lot about who you are. Yeah. And so this is what's whoa, been driving. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I got the perfect quote. It's com- coming from Armageddon. Okay. Remember where they're, they're going? Yeah, they're I was just going to bring it yeah, up yeah, yeah. too. And they're going... Was it? Was it the thing about the cross? That the valve is jammed, and the the Russian goes, he goes, Russian, British, European, blah blah blah. It's all made in Taiwan. Yeah. <laughs> <It's Max. laughs> yeah. He said, "I never yeah. want to pay taxes again." I just remember that guy. Oh fuck, I can't Sorry. remember. He's like, "Welcome <laughs> to serious thought." Well, the Bruce Willis when film. <laughs> they all show up. They all they are all all these fucking uh, these oil riggers show up yeah. in the space shuttle, and it's like, "Welcome to Russian space station." And he's just, I just remember that. There's it's not a so Russian funny. wife that speaks that slow. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> or that soberly. So, yeah. Don't touch! Don't touch the space station. You're blowing the space station. The sensors of Jupiter, but everything's heavier. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> That's awesome. Would you say that segues out of this world? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Okay. Get your take your okay. dad joke and get the fuck out of here. Right. Okay. So saving that the entire okay. time. So 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 favorite space movie then. We gotta oh. talk about favorite, favorite space, space yeah. movie. Yeah. Oh, favorite space man. movie. Well, you first. I'm. I, it, it's an, a pro American <clears throat> one. It's Independence Day. Okay. I saw it opening day. Whatever year it came out, I think it was 1998. Uh, y- no, it would have been 1996 or seven. Mm-hmm. I know. Okay. Yeah. So and I saw it opening day. And really, for me, it was it was about the pioneering spirit. Okay, it's not about 
necessarily adversity. And the aliens can come in with a huge adversity because really everything to do with space is this grand, I mean, adverse. I mean, space, the space garbage will kill you. It's funny. I think the moonshine is finally hitting in. That's okay. That's okay. It's allowed. allowed. Space garbage will kill you. But I mean, it's about the, the never letting the impossible deter you from success. Doesn't matter how how radical or impossible it is. See, and then you're back to the idea, which I think is fantastic. I, I agree with you completely. It's, mm. it's it. It's about the idea, right? We are. We, those are the kind of people that we are. Like the human race likes achievement. Wants they like to, stories. We love stories. So it's interesting. So Gus Grissom, who was a U.S. test pilot, he was one of the Mercury Seven astronauts who flew. Um, he flew the ill-fated mission. Right after Alan Shepard, his uh, his space capsule took on the water and and sunk into the ocean. It was many years before they recovered it. Um, he was a bit out of sorts for that. But uh, Gus Grissom was one of the best pilots and one of the best astronauts NASA had. As a result, he was chosen to command Apollo 1, along with uh, Ed White, and uh, who was the first American to walk in space, and Roger Chaffee, who was a really, really smart guy, who was part of the third group of astronauts. Um, he, unfortunately, on uh, the 27th of January, 1967, he died in the Apollo 1 fire on the pad during a routine test when the three astronauts were killed. Uh, but he said uh, in a news conference one time that, um, you know, in order for space to be truly understood by, by people, it had to be experienced by a person because only a human could explain it in terms understandable to other humans. And so this was his argument for why we had to send people to the moon and not robots to the moon. Uh, whoa, whoa, I got one segue yeah. though. Yep. What about the monkey? Well, the monkey, well, uh, Enos uh-huh. or um, uh, <laughs> what was the name of the other one? Uh yeah, they go before Alan Shepard. They have the dog too. <laughs> well, Leica, yeah, Leica and they got the, the sorry. Anyway, there's gonna be a dog in there. But no, it's it's you know the the point is is that is that we go out into space and we send people into space. Like so, if you go into NASA culture and into the Jet Propulsion Laboratory <clears throat> (JPL) culture, there are there are two very distinct cultures. There are those who think that humans are the biggest detriment to space travel because you have to make all these exceptions for humans to get into space, mm. waste a lot of time, a lot of money, got to build in a lot of extra equipment. That's send, lawyers talking. Yeah, we had a discussion robots. about that before and you now you know why uh, no. just send robots in, instead it's a lot cheaper and a lot more efficient but then there are those who say well yeah but if you send the robots we're never really going to get it we're never really going to understand it and quite honestly no one no one spends any money on anything because our machine told you to do it mm-hmm. we spend money on things because people tell you to do it and so this is hard because it's way more expensive to send people out into space. Also, we need to you know? start doing is give up like one alien movie a year, hmm. the profits from one alien movie a year, and we got it. Yeah, maybe. It's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. Uh, well, it'll get start a tr- movement. It'll get you a trip to high orbit. Uh, but it's no, only no, no, like no, no, that no, because of lawyers. Well, we're talking about like, uh, was it? A lawyer. We're not no, going to fight about seriously. lawyers, are we? Well, we did last week. Uh, but here we go. Do you know, you, know what, you know what a lawyer happens without a parachute? What? What happens to a lawyer without a parachute? <laughs> Same thing that happens to everybody else without a parachute. <laughs> yeah, no. So people clap or something. Well, you, you yeah. know, well, he can't collect his retainer. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> but like, okay, there has to be. I don't know. This is the the morbid. Like, it's easy to sit in this armchair and talk about this, but there has to be like uh, an acceptable loss, right? Yeah. Like what, what, in what, in the what, pursuit in, in the in pursuit or money no no in order to pursue knowledge and in order to pursue things that are going to benefit the human race 
which could mean the cost of a human life or lives in order to do so, as long as they do it voluntarily, there has to be an acceptable loss. Actually, so, so uh, you know what, here, let me, let me give you the answer to that. And it's not my words, actually. It's somebody that you mentioned at the beginning of the show. So Chris Hadfield runs a master class, which is an online uh, sort of seminar thing which you can sign up for. In yeah, and, I saw that on yeah, Facebook yeah, so where he, I get all my news apparently. Right, so, so he started his introduction by saying something very, very interesting, which he said that when he was a baby or, or a toddler, if you will, um, he was walking along and he tripped as he was learning to walk. And actually he fell so badly that he actually cracked his skull. And his parents had to take him to the hospital to, uh, to sort of sort that out. But he says to, you know, the fact is that he had to learn how to walk because as a, if you're going to live on this planet, you got to learn how to walk. And he took a risk and he, as a result, he hurt himself and he almost killed himself mm. because he cracked his skull open. But he was willing to accept that because you can't go forward unless you, unless you take the risks. Yeah. And so as a result, he cracked his skull, but you know what? He learned to walk and then eventually becomes an astronaut. But his point is this, is that we're, we are going to go to space no matter what the cost. Yeah. Because, and yes, people will die yeah. and we will lose lives and we will cause disasters and we will pollute space and we will cause problems. But that doesn't matter. We're, we're going to go because yeah. we have to. That I mean, gives I mean, me a I mean, lot to, of hope. To, to, to lay, yeah, I would say that your argument is, but uh, I would go back into the, the concept of, what technology readiness levels are, and you can look those up on Wikipedia. Technology readiness levels are? Yes. Yeah, so okay. you can actually go... Uh, on the Wikipedia? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> TRLs. So, I mean, it, there, there is a, there's a process part that how technology evolves and how long it goes, as it goes through the checks and maturity, and hits a particular point in which it becomes commercially viable to produce... And industrial, industry ready. And to say that, okay, well, we're going to go in space. Yes, no. Yeah, maybe we don't need to send a human on the experimental aircraft. Um, but, I mean, we, we need to send instrumentation there. And then from there, there's a bit of risk when we send a man test pilot. And then we send a crew for a period, 30, 40 years on the various space stations. I mean, I mean, the technology is there now. We we know what works, what doesn't work, yeah. and how to. Li- so, the, the, so what, my argument is, the technology is there. It's not the risk isn't as big as we used to think it was. Well, not all the risk is. This, so here's the thing: is that there are there are things that used to be huge risks that are now routine, mm-hmm. but there are new risks that we will have to uh, you know deal with when we get there. So, for example, um, you know we already have explored a good chunk of this uh, solar system because we can send spacecraft out, drones, uh, you know, very, very good sort of satellites, uh, you know, the Mars rover that goes around. But at some point, we're going to have to send people, and there will be risks for those people to get there. But eventually, we will make those risks uh, redundant because we will come up with enough uh, safety measures, alternates, backups, and whatever, and we'll make those things routine. So, for example, um, it used to be incredibly dangerous to get into orbit, uh, you know, send a guy in a, something the size of a phone booth uh, who would suffer. So, for example, the Mercury astronauts would routinely suffer somewhere between eight and eleven Gs re-entering uh, the atmosphere because you know we just that was the technology we had at the time. Hmm. A guy who rides on the space shuttle or in a Soyuz capsule coming back from like David Saint Jacques, who just came back from the International Space Station, a Canadian astronaut, just returned to Earth a few days ago, um, suffered somewhere between four and five Gs on his return. Uh, because he's got rocket assist, drogue shoots, uh, you know, routine atmosphere. So we're getting better. So we we take those dangers and we make them routine. But but those those pioneers that will have to 
make those first steps a little farther, um, yeah, you're right. There will be a lot of risks. And yeah. You know what? And yeah. some of those people may die but, in the process. But we'll, we'll know what they, I mean, well, there's more precision on what they know what they are. Yeah. I think the risk right now <clears> is in, because of the precision of our engineering is ensuring that, our, that what we bought is what it is. Yeah. So Maxer's uh, uh, satellite launch was circa nine, uh, 2016. It blew up. Uh, year long, almost two year investigation, realized it was a materials that falsified yeah. the certificates. Yeah. Um, the most recent one, uh, there was a launch. Oh, what was the launch? Anyways, they, they, they traced it back to a cylinder tube that was improperly manufactured and the certificates mm-hmm. were falsified. Mm-hmm. So now it becomes a co- commercialization piece. Is that, mm-hmm. is that as governments now no longer manufacture their own in a scientific lab, they're actually out ten- tendering the, these components. Mm-hmm. And these components must be made to spec because they're specializing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, different, different, different standards for different industries. So, like, even in the so a good a good um, sort of comparison to space travel is the air travel. Um, let's face it, some airlines are better than others. Um, if you look at worldwide crashes or major electrical problems or major engineering problems, where you have near disasters or near crashes, again, it's about standards, quality, quality assurance. Um, certifications, mm-hmm. you know, falsification of, of documents, um, you know, and I think that that is something that we'll also see in space travel. Like all things, there'll they'll be different, there'll be different layers and different standards. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are certain people that I would always travel with because I trust them and I rely on them. And then there are other things where, you know, well, given our current professions, there are things, there are aircraft that I've gotten into that if I wasn't in my current job, I would never would have stepped into ever. Yeah. But that's be you know that we all know what that means. Uh, let's face it, we wouldn't fly with these people unless we were told to. No, because <laughs> we know better. But we're you know so that I think you're going to see that in space travel too. You will get companies that will give you very reliable travel because they will provide the quality that's required. And then there will be countries where you'll go, yeah, I don't think I'm going to take your spaceship to orbit because you guys are not that good at what you do but we'll see that i still like to i kind of go back a little bit i think you you kind of give me hope with your argument there's like despite the obstacles that are in place we're still gonna go like we we are you're not gonna stop the human spirit from trying to absolutely not to to pursue that and that it's you know it's actually a good for somebody like me to uh, to know that especially with generations that are coming up Mm -hmm. like there's people who are they're picking up the knowledge that is uh um, that has been left behind for them, and and they're they're carrying the ball forward. I like I mean, that. I mean, I guess it depends on your age. So my grandmother was born before the age of flight, right? And uh, she marveled at aircraft because she knew a world without aircraft. Huh. Um, you know, I teach at university and college, and uh, often I get the millennials asking me, you know, what was the world like before the internet? The internet, yeah. You, we were talking you, about this on yeah, the ride yeah. up here. How do you it's possibly so manage funny. in a world before the internet? Like, how do you, how did you guys even do anything? Yeah. Because they, they can't really understand a world without the yeah. internet. Yeah, and you actually literally had to go outside and talk to other people. That's how you got information. I, I used to mail letters to people <laughs> to give them, you know, something that would be like an email or a text. <laughs> funny you know or instagram my photo i'd be like i'd send <laughs> yeah. you a letter and i'd wait two weeks for and now response. in our education system we're telling people that or we're telling kids that we're not teaching kids like basic things like cursive writing or anything yeah because why bother because like, I mean, everything's gonna be done on typing anyway it's just like okay uh sure but i mean 
I don't know. Like, you're. I'd hate to bring up another conspiracy, but like, what if those things fail, right? What if those things? And there's a very good possibility. What if those things fail? But are they going to fail long enough for us to? We have to relearn something like cursive writing, right? Here's the thing. They will fail. They will fail, yeah. But that's okay because humans are incredibly resilient people. Yeah. We are incredibly resilient. We have taken ourselves to the brink a few times. Yeah. And we always manage to get through. That's good. And so I'm always hopeful. Uh, I mean, I think that uh, you will see that the kids that come after us, I mean, you know, I, I'm one of these people that I actually have a lot of faith in the generation that comes behind me. I know you get a lot of people that go, oh, we're all doomed. And, you know, and I was, I was, uh, it's so cynical. Oh, it is. And I, and I always joke with my friends who are my age or older and they're like, oh, those young punks and these millennials are lazy. And I'm like, yeah, well, well wait a second. I'm like, don't get into this. Oh, look, they shake their hips on TV. You know, wow, the world's doomed. These, yeah, my parents probably thought I was a deadbeat, except we gave them the internet. Yeah. You know, one of the most powerful devices that connected the world. And our kids that are going to come after us are going to look at us and go, you know what? You think you guys had it really good and you guys think you guys are really clever? We're even cleverer. Yeah. We're going to do things you couldn't even imagine. And they're going to deliver. I think we set an expectation. I don't know. I think we set an expectation on certain demographics. It's just like, it's that post high school um, to let's say 25 to 27 demographic, right? Mm-hmm. Where we think it's just like, that's where you're going to solve all the world's problems. Like you can't even, you, first of all, you haven't even developed cognitively, like co- completely. Yeah. Like the human brain doesn't even, isn't even fully developed until 25. That's right. You think you're going to, you think you're going to figure out all of the world's problems by the time you turn 27? No, I, Fuck No. 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 Some people don't even make it to 27. I do. Jimi th- Hendrix, Janis Joplin. <laughs> like, <laughs> seriously. Yeah. Like, I, I do think, though, it's important to allow young people to uh, take responsibility. Yeah. Oh, to, yeah, to absolutely. Innovate. You know, you know, we will say, oh, you know, you can't be an airline pilot because you're too young. Well, you know, 19-year-olds would fly bomber missions to Berlin yeah. during the war and face unbelievable challenges. Yeah. Um, young kids are smart and they're creative. And the best thing is that they don't have baggage. They're, yeah. not, they're not. They're not buried under well, a burden of world of their. Well, world they are experience. buried under a burden of uh, university debt. Yeah, sure, <laughs> mortgages. But but I, I do. I actually I have a lot of faith because I I think that you know our the kids that are growing up now are going to look back at people like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson and all these other entrepreneurs and say, hey, look at that. These guys sort of paved the way and sort of cracked open the low Earth orbit puzzle and sort of, you know, opened up the opportunity to go back to the moon and make going to the moon a routine thing. And I think that they're going to embrace that. And they're going to embrace it because there's going to be viable reasons to do it. One, it'll be cheaper because the technology will get cheaper over time. Just like, you know, you know, recording our favorite shows is a way cheaper than it used to be. Yeah. Uh, thousands of dollars for a Betamax or a VHS. <laughs> myself even further. Um, you know, but I, I think, you know, this, and by the same token, eventually space travel to a certain point will become routine. Yeah. And they will be able to get into low Earth orbit. And the real question is, is what will they do with it? And where will they go? Yeah, that is that is a fascinating question. And that's how you can talk about ancient aliens. Yeah, <laughs> I need to grow my hair out and uh, and start uh, talking like a crazy person <laughs> on that History Channel, like that dude, that meme. Mm-hmm. Um, you did ask a question earlier, and we never got to the other uh, the other two uh, two yeah. thirds of uh, favorite uh, favorite movies. Favorite movies. Yeah, let's uh, let's turn the. I guess I'll I could answer the next one. Um, I'll start. Uh, well. I don't even know if you can call it a space movie because, like, 
it's a space opera. I I got I gotta pick Star Wars, man. Okay. Like, but Why? the thing is, what, is like, what's, what's the big thing? No, about Star Wars? you get you get a, you get a single movie. Let's not be greedy here. Well, the original nineteen seventy seven Star Wars. Okay, the original. It's the mo- It's the only complete standalone Star Wars movie in the entire franchise. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. It's the only one. If, Although I do like Rogue One. I'm, I'm a Rogue One It was fan. so good. It's yeah. so good. That's it's a fan movie. It was, it's a fan, it's yeah. fan service. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like that latest Avengers movie, uh, Endgame. I haven't seen Spider-Man yet. I really want to go see yeah, it. Maybe. I've heard great yeah. things. But uh, that latest uh, Avengers movie, Endgame, have you seen it? Well, yeah. And I, and I love Avengers. And I thought that, uh, you know, I thought that... It was they, all fan service. It was it, excellent. It was absolute fan service. But you know what? When people buy millions of comics every year, you got to do a little bit of that. Yes, you do. Yeah. I think you do. Yeah. Uh, Game of Thrones did not do that. But I will uh, I yeah. will not digress onto that point. Yeah, but it's been around for generations. Yeah. The last season, let's face it, they did, they, you know, I mean... They phoned it in. Yeah, we 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 we've talked talk about, about this <laughs> forever. We, we could we could dive into that yeah, again, yeah. but uh, no, I I gotta go with Star Wars, even though it's not really about space. Yeah. Like, it's it's a it's a narrative that's set in you know, and it's I and I'm quoting and I'm using air quotes space, yeah. but like it's basically you know it's it's uh, Saint George and and Virginia. It's like it's oh, old yeah. it's old medieval tales. And then it's and then it's uh, World War Two style dogfights. Oh yeah, and, and, I, and I'm cheating because I mean I've read all the background for Star Wars. That I and know it's, it's a Kurosawa film. Exactly, and, I know yeah. it's a Kurosawa film, and I know it's a western. Yeah, and I, and I know that. I mean, if you if you listen to the dialogue from Dam Busters, uh, the famous movie, the black and white film, uh, you even some of the even some of the language is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's remarkably the same when they're going down the trenches of the Death Star mm-hmm. uh, and they're talking about you know guns on the towers and all that kind of business. <clears throat> it's actually almost verbatim from Dan Busters. So, I mean, I think I think that movie's important because it did two things. One, it showcased what technology could do for film and cinema, and two, it actually was the greatest expression of imagination that we had seen probably since Star Trek, which yeah. had a very short-lived run in the 60s, Yeah, right? Which also uh, was sort of a blend between what is and what could be, right? Yeah. So. Well, it was a great... So George Lucas was excellent at blending genres and ideas together. Oh, yes. Taking the... Taking the... Uh, taking the, the, uh, the what's samurai. it? Uh, well, the Western, the Samurai, also the Flash Gordon. Yeah, Flash Gordon. All that stuff, like yep. blending that all together, he was yep. excellent Battle at really at, at, at yeah, absolutely, like taking all those concepts and putting them all together, and then like being able to structure a story around a battle when battles are like chaotic yes. and all kinds of stuff. Like they did, he did a really good job, and that's something that I find the new films are actually really lacking, and they're also completely betraying the characters. I I, I find the new films the the stories are very flat. I'm just finding that there's not a lot of inspiration in the story. They're relying too much on the CGI and the technology and the and the and the well-known spacecraft designs. Well, the new ones, not so much, because you could make the same argument yeah, for the prequels. They're trying to expand the demographic. Yeah. No. True. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. It's it's more. No one wants to take. No one wants to go to a romance movie. No one wants to go to a pure Star Wars movie. So, like Rogue One's a blend of. That's not true. No. To say, I find that the Disney, the Disney era of Star Wars is all about marketing. That's 
all it is. Oh, it has zombie. nothing to do. Crap. It has nothing to do with trying to tell a good story. Occasionally, they come across a decent director who actually knows the fan service. They know how to. That's where you get I, a Rogue I, One. I, I find it interesting actually that the fan movies are better than the main story movie. You know, so yeah. so Rogue One and Solo, I think, are way better oh, than sure. the actual mainstream. For sure, you know, third line of, of films, which I can't even remember the names yeah. of. That's how boring they are. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you want to go into it too far, but what do you think about this whole thing? And like, I okay, so this is kind Space. of my opinion, and it's pretty subjective. <laughs> Here so we I'm go. I'm gonna preface it with that. But this whole idea of like injecting uh, these this ideology in in films and in Hollywood, and like bringing all these different values that they're trying to instill. So, I don't know if you want to. You, yeah, you don't yeah. have to talk no, about no, it if you don't no, want. I think it's actually very important. So so here's the thing. Um, I think it's actually really important that they do that. And I say that because when you look back at the original Star Trek TV shows, they did things that basically turned Hollywood on its head. This is true. They, they introduced classic literature. They introduced classical timeless problems. Yeah. They allowed a white man to kiss a black girl on yeah. television. They, it they was the first time it had ever Martian. been done. And a Martian. They created a multi-ethnic crew. They gave yeah. women rules of responsibility. I think that these are essential. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. What I, what I despise is that Hollywood is now pandering yes. in the sense that they do it cheaply. And they yeah. Do it, they do it ineffectually, and they do it actually shallow. Because what the? Okay, I totally agree with you. I'm yeah. glad you. I'm glad you put the words to it that I couldn't before, <laughs> because I've had struggled with this. Yeah. Because I'm glad you brought up Star Trek. Because what they did was they they didn't care so much about who these people were. Yeah, it was important yeah. that you know Uhura was a black woman. Uh, working She's on a remarkable the Enterprise, character. remarkable like, character. But the thing they created characters, yeah. great. Yeah characters and that was important if you focus on the the fact that you're building these important characters to create this narrative and then and then let the rest speak for itself here's the beauty that's what this new generation is failing at hard i think we can bring this full circle a second time okay let's call double helix yeah. Um, or a Mobius strip. Either. This is turning Even into a Mobius. Oh, Mobius strip. This oh, is turning okay. into a uh, two-hour podcast. So I'm going to probably divide it up into two that's, parts. That, that's why that's I bring okay. it back to the center. Okay. So if you if, if if there's any student out there that has a crib note, that they're only required to have one sheet. Do a Mobius strip, <laughs> and you get both sides. Yeah, you showed me this the other day, and I was just like, "Well, okay, on to the next thing." Anyways. <laughs> But, but, I'm you, keen. But, but you saw you saw Star Trek and you see Star Wars inspiration yeah. and pushing boundaries of what people and mankind and womankind can do and whatever we think was perceived as necessary. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that's important as we look forward and we're funding space <clears throat> things because when we do these initial business cases that we look for a return, what is the return? Return must have the return must equate to risk, because risk is high in space travel, and returns may be low in space travel. Yeah, yeah. and and it's how how we, we perceive what that is, and funding these things for well here uh, for let our me, world. Let me provide an analogy, right? So, and this will sort of blend this whole talk about uh, Star Trek and 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 the tropes together as well. The, the the reality is is that you want to create an investment that gives you return. 
by expanding the narrative. So Star Trek is successful not because it pandered to identity politics of the day by trying to create women in power or an ethnic an ethnic crew. What they understood was that the narrative to push forward was this idea that humanity would somehow be united when it went to the stars. Yeah. And by default, the only way to explain that narrative was to create a multi-ethnic crew, which I think they did very successfully. The, yeah, it the re- just is. It just is. The yeah. reason why the Russians lose the space race is because Khrushchev is largely focused on stunts. So the Americans have a very structured approach to get to the moon. They have the Mercury flights, which basically prove the technology and that you can go into orbit and answer some very basic questions about astronauts in space. And this is things we, we tend to take for granted today, but at the time were very important to answer. Uh, things, for example, like, will your heart stop beating in orbit because it's microgravity? Can you actually That's go to the, very good, can you actually yeah. go to the bathroom or will all your plumbing get blocked up because you don't have gravity to pull it all out huh. of you? Or you drown like you a know? bird because it yeah. needs gravity to drink. Exactly. Yeah. Can you can you live in space for two weeks? The time it takes to get to the moon and back. The the Russians, by contrast, said, No, we're just gonna try to do things first so that we can look like we're impressive. And so they did stupid things. They But oh, they also got Sputnik yeah, out of we'll, it. We'll send we'll send the first satellite. We'll get there first. Well, you sent a lawnmower in a space that goes bleep 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 bleep. <laughs> well, two months after you a do lawnmower. that. <laughs> Two months after you do that, the Americans send up the first Corona spy satellite that basically tracks most Soviet bombers and basically realizes there's no bomber gap. So the Americans actually invest in space. The Americans say, well, we're going to try to re- figure out whether we can actually rendezvous and dock in orbit. The Russians go, yeah, you're going to put two guys in space. We'll put two guys in space. In fact, we'll put three guys in space. Oh, we don't have a space capsule that fits three people. So we'll put three people in a two-man space capsule and we'll get rid of your spacesuits because you don't need those anyway. Because if you re-enter and the fucking pop, you know, the capsule pops out, well, you're gonna die anyway. You're gonna die anyway. Yeah, don't so we'll matter. just pull a stunt. So we're gonna put the first woman in space. We're gonna put first three-person crew in space. And we're gonna do all these stunts in space. And we're not actually gonna get it to the moon. Meanwhile, the Americans go. We are going to solve the problems one at a time and expand the narrative so that we can actually reach the lunar surface. Goal-oriented. Goal-oriented. And yeah. Star Trek is goal-oriented. Star Trek says, I want to create a future, a possible future that includes everybody. Mm-hmm. And this is where the real value comes in. And Star Wars has failed at that. Yeah. Because Star Wars is pandering to identity politics by going, ah, oh, we're going to screw with the entire narrative in order to... The latest a, Star Wars, yeah, yes. Yeah, in, in order to identify this or to acknowledge that or to put somebody else in a position of power that wouldn't normally be there. And that's a real failure of imagination. Yeah. You know, you know, Star Wars could have done much better. And this is why the fans love Rogue One. And it's why the fans love Solo because they don't pander to those, uh, those things. Just set up characters who do cool shit. Yeah. They do cool stuff. Do cool shit. They do real human things. Yeah. Yeah. And then who cares whether they're man, woman or whatever. But I think they're all on different platforms. There are different, free the the robots. Star Trek. Free the robots. Yeah. Just like Star Trek had, (laughs) had like different times depending which versions you're at. I don't don't think Which Star Trek? Which, which one? Exactly. There, well, Star Trek uh, Voyager is all about the relationships on the one crew in, the, in, in isolation. Uh, I like th- Voyager. I grew up with Voyager. Do, do you beautiful. have a favorite, or do you? I like, um, no, I, don't, I think they appreciate from all, all different. Do you have a least favorite? If you could drop, if you could drop one, which the, one would you the drop? Ri- the original. Would you really? Yeah. Is it but it set it, up everything else. Yeah, it's responsible uh, I, for the I, universe. I, I, I stopped liking Gene Roddenberry. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Fair enough. Is it because the technology is really crummy and the the phone? You don't like the no, foam rocks? No, 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 the no. Purple no, skies. No. no. Was, uh... <laughs> you didn't like the Western in space when they when they were stuck at the OK Corral for the <laughs> <entire> episode. 
<laughs> it was uh, William Shatner kind of went kind of weird. Wait, 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 wait. He's got a shirt on. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, if that is, but, it's, it's, it's really a sausage top, right? Yes. <laughs> a, a, good, a good buddy of mine who I worked out in, uh, uh, in Manitoba with, his, his favorite was uh, Deep Space Nine. Oh, really? Because it really set up a uh, a big universe in terms of like the uh, another conflict oh, uh, with Kardashians. Like it, it it seems boring at first, but when you tie when you watch it all the way through, and you especially get towards the war at the very end of the yeah. series, it's actually a really well done, hmm. really well done series. It's like my perception of NATO. Yeah, yeah, it's actually very <laughs> yeah. well written. Very yeah, this well is, done. This is our headquarters in Germany. It's definitely yeah. worthy. Heidelberg. A lot of people like the Next Generation. Um, this one is de- like I would actually rather go back and and start over uh, Deep Space Nine just well, to go and see the Voyager, the, the Vo- entire conflict. Yeah, because Voyager ebbs and flows, right? Yeah, they, it starts out really good, and then they get some really crappy writers. Yeah, and it goes really bad for a couple of seasons, and then they fire all those people yeah. and get new writers, and then it goes good again. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a very astute perception. Yeah, that's yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah. What I, about I, Enterprise? You know, I hated Enterprise. Which one? Uh, no, the Enterprise, like the one that Enterprise we all with no. uh, with uh, Quantum John, Leap, Jonathan oh, Archer. Quantum Leap. <laughs> 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 Were you even alive for Quantum Leap? How do you yeah. know that? That's right. Because I used to watch Quantum yeah, yeah, Leap yeah. reruns on yeah. sci-fi when I was yeah. a kid. I used to watch the original. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron. Yeah. No, uh, absolutely. Scott. Uh, Scott. Bacula. Bacula. Yes. Scott yes. Bacula. Yeah. Dracula. Yeah. yeah. No, actually, I, I have to say, I, I hated that show. <laughs> I loved it. It was great. No, but I was a kid with zero imagination of my own. Yeah, because yeah, he's driving, so I can do whatever. Um, yeah, yeah no, I, I have to say, like Enterprise, I, I really just couldn't get into it for two reasons. One, because they're doomed already because they're trapped between two established narratives, right? They have to they have to somehow magically take really modern day aesthetics and somehow go back to 1960s futuristic aesthetics. So Whiskey's handing you a yeah. stuff that he actually made. We made it on the last podcast. We made it. So this is is this your moonshine or is this your brandy? No, brandy. this is brandy. This is your tell, brandy. Okay. Tell, see, there's certain scents and flavors that go with alcohols. So, yeah. And being a former mixologist and bartender, I can uh, I can attest to... Uh, so when did that happen between so, girls, dinosaurs, space, and... So, so here's the thing. I um, Was one you know, quantum leap into the next? Yes, it was. Yeah. Absolutely. Come on! So, so get out yeah. of here. The so, door is that way. That's right. So, so here's a heart moment. Here's a here's a here's here's a heart moment. A, a, re, a real basic moment. I I came from a very dysfunctional home and a working class family and poor parents and two brothers and we just had to get by. Mm. I decided because I was interested in space travel and I wanted to be an astronaut at one time um, that the only way I would get there is by going to school and I had to pay my own way through school. And so in order to be able to afford to go to school, I could not do a lot of other things like uh, spring breaks in Cancun and uh, all the usual things that most university kids get to go do. So what I did is I became a bartender uh, because I figured this way I could make money to pay for my rent and my tuition and I could socialize at the same time and meet the girls and, you know, hang out with my friends in the, in a club and, and that. And so it uh, kind of solved all my problems in one great. shot. Yeah. So, so, uh, I got an, and of course I was always interested in mixology because interestingly enough, you meet a lot of interesting people at the bar. 
including an astronaut now and again. Yeah. I won't say any names, but uh, you'd be surprised what some of the favorite drinks of some of the favorite astronauts are. Really? Yes, but uh, we're not going to go there. Have you met Chris Hatfield? Uh, I have uh, um, twice and not like directly, not for any special reason, but because I just happened to be in the same place that he was. And so I've talked to him twice and, and, I, and he is everything that everybody thinks he is. He's a, he's a very humble, self-deprecating, professional, interesting, uh, funny uh, typical Canadian. The you best, know. the best word I yeah. can think about him just by watching some of his appearances and that kind of stuff is genuine. Yeah, he is. He's he's absolutely. The, he's he's the most Canadian of Canadian people. That's great. That's the best way to describe him. Yeah, he's the kind of Mustache guy that. Mustache and all. He's the kind of guy you'd have a coffee with Tim Hortons at, and he would tell you about physics and. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, and about G force and stuff, and it's just fantastic. Cool. Yeah. 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 Him, I have a lot of time for absolutely. Okay, so I guess that brings us to the last, uh, the last movie. Oh. Last favorite. That brings us to you. Yeah. So I've got a couple of favorite movies. Um, one. You get one. Okay. Get well, one. we we had one. Like yeah. I thought about it for we're a long budget. time. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're a low budget a operation budget. here. I well, can't believe you picked Independence Day. No. So here. So so my favorite movie was actually 2010. So yeah, two thousand one. No, two thousand ten. Two thousand ten. Yeah, yeah, with Roy Schreider in nineteen. I think it was. Uh, it came out in Roy Schreider. Yeah, it came out in nineteen eighty four. I think it was. Dun, so it was the follow on to two thousand one. Roy Schreider. Okay, yeah. yeah, the guy from Jaws, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, the guy yeah, from Jaws. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll need a bigger boat. Yeah, that we need, guy. We're gonna need, yeah. we're gonna need a bigger boat. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was actually my first one, and and part, for two reasons. One, because um, it was a movie that was true to physics. And okay. they actually take the time. They, they do aero braking in Jupiter, which is really cool. Cool. Uh, which was the technology that was being tested at the time and has now been proven to be an effective way to slow down when you do uh, really? interplanetary travel. Huh. Um, so that was really cool. And secondly, because it was just an interesting concept. Um, and and then, But my that movie has since been replaced by The Martian, which I have to say, I know there's a lot of things in The Martian that are not perfect and are not actually uh, accurate. But they're completely. pretty close. But they're it's, definitely it's, in the ballpark. It is a great narrative. Yeah. It is the, it's actually, it's not the physics or the math or the engineering the or the biology. science or the biology. Yeah, yeah. It's or the human, it's the human piece. Matt Damon dies at the end. No, he gets no, away. He, does he, he gets saved. He gets saved. Yeah, he lives. Oh. Yeah. But he's falling asleep. Yeah. But it, you know what I love about that Martian? <laughs> As he's walking around the planet. I love about the Martian is the fact it is that it's about the, it's about the point of the whole movie, which is that, you know what? Human human spirit is just stronger than anything that you can imagine, which is what it's going to. Can I change my answer? No, yeah. no. <laughs> I no. there's a movie I forgot about. What, I just remember space travel. Once you're committed, no, it is, you're committed. It is technically right. about space travel. Free return in six there's months. A mo- and I don't think it's a popular movie. I don't think a lot of people like it. But it's a movie I kept watching over and over and over again. It was Contact. Yeah, it was because oh, Jodie Foster. Foster. It's because yeah, it was yeah, yeah. free on cable. No, well, that too. But I also had it, and I would just watch it over and over again. I was just like, you know what? I like, I, I forgot all about that. I haven't watched that movie in yeah. years, but. But again, a movie based on a novel by but Carl actual Sagan. space travel because yeah. like Star Wars is it's like no, I, it's I fantasy. Love, yeah, I love real space. Like it's a movie. You know, it's Carl Sagan. It's a Carl Sagan movie, right? Yes, and it's actually based partly on his wife. Uh, at the oh, time, really? you know, Carl Sagan was a, is a fantastic, uh, character, which I think is, unfortunately, you know, hopefully the millennials will remember him and, and think about him in the way. Well, that, Neil deGrasse Tyson does a lot of good job. He does a very good job of yeah. bringing him back to life yeah. almost. Yeah. Carl's, Carl Sagan was a man who was an atheist. Uh, he was a believer in the universe. Um, he set himself on a goal. He lived actually quite close. Um, so he, he taught at Cornell university mm-hmm. in Ithaca, New York, um, he, uh, he uh, had an eating disorder. Uh, he had trouble swallowing. He loved snorkeling. 
Um, and he was a great physicist and a fantastic astronomer. But the most important thing was that he could communicate very complicated ideas in a very simple way. Yeah. Which at the end of the day is the most important thing. I admire that. Yeah, I, I think that's too. something you've bestowed me with, apparently, but I don't know if I have that kind of gift. Because I <laughs> can't apparently tonight. formulate words properly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's a good time to close her off. Run her off. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, I, well, I guess to, in order to kind of summarize, what did we? I, I, check, I had a little checklist of things that we covered off. So explain your association with Canadian Space Program. Yeah, did that. Uh, we talked about Stranger Things. I made sure we had to talk about that. Uh, just space and television, movies, The Expanse in general, Chris Hadfield, Neil deGrasse Tyson, just personalities in general, and then space exploration technology. So I think we... Yeah, good job, good we, job. We covered off everything we wanted to. Yeah. Which fits within our mission statement. We're trying to... What is it? Educate and inspire. Educate and inspire. <laughs> yeah. Educate yes. and inspire. Yes. There, I, I lend my voice. <laughs> Good job. No, well done, both of you. Well done. Okay. Well, anyways, I'm uh, I'm whiskey. Who are you? <laughs> and I'm rocks. I was Doctor Green, I think. Yeah, Dr. Green. we we said your name Dr. once. During- <laughs> hey, it's a pit again. I, I would I would just say um, I don't if you. We could, uh, before we really sum up, um, if if you want, you can plug your book because you got a book. Yeah. Uh, if you want, you can. If not. Uh, so here's the thing. And rather than uh, sort of plugging my own books for sale, what I would suggest is that, uh, you know, whoever decides to listen to this, um, if you put any book on your shelf or on your kid's shelf, make sure you've got at least one book that talks about space travel, space exploration, astronomy, or imagination. Because at the end of the day, if you're a parent and you've got kids, they're the ones who are going to have to take our ideas and bring them forward. And if you are just somebody who is fascinated by all the things around you, don't forget to step outside and look up. It's free, and it is the best show in the world. So take the time, buy a book about stars, about astronomy, about space travel, and just wonder where you fit into that big picture, because it's the best thing you'll ever have. That is the best ending to a podcast that we've ever had. I like that. Yes, and Whiskey says, buy Whiskey Repellent if you're going to look up the sky and look... (laughs) (laughs) We are in Ontario. That's good. Thank you. And we're not. We're not. Thank you so much for coming. We really appreciate this. This was a hoot. This is awesome. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I'd love to come back sometime. That's great. Anytime, my friend. Cheers. See you next week. So I was going to keep playing that Chris Hadfield rendition of Space Oddity at the end of this. But that powerful ending that Dr. Green just gave uh, just made me want to end it on a positive but epic-sounding soundtrack. Not that not that Chris Hadfield wasn't positive. But anyway, uh, quite frankly, I've been using a fair amount of pop culture music lately, and I thought about putting in something a little bit more cinematic, given that we talk so much about movies and television. So what you're hearing now is the opening intro to the show we discussed on the podcast called The Expanse. Uh, My research tells me it's composed by Clinton Shorter, who originally hails from Vancouver. So there you go. We recognize Canadian talent, even if it's by accident. The singer uh, is Lisbeth Scott, who is Norwegian, and the lyrics are also in Norwegian, so that's cool. Uh, Anyway, we highly recommend The Expanse. Uh, I, in particular, recommend The Expanse. It's a great story. It's epic in its scale. The physics are awesome. The space battles are cool and original. 
and it's got lots of good homegrown Canadian talent. It's now on Amazon, and uh, Season 4 should be out shortly. I'll include a link in the description to the song and the latest trailers. Words are hard, sorry guys. Okay, shameless plug time. Uh, please like and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your weekly dose of whiskey and rocks. We're currently on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, Google Play, we're still technically on YouTube, but not really because it's all audio and I'm either too lazy or too busy. But we are on Spotify and we're always thinking about new ways to expand as well. You can help us out even more if you write us a review on Facebook, tell your friends, and even get involved in the conversation. In fact, we have a forum up right now this moment talking about me first. We've gotten one comment so far, which is one comment more than I expected to have, so hooray! Shout out to Paul for participating. We appreciate you. Uh, Thanks to my co-host Whiskey for putting up with me, and a very special thanks to Dr. Green for being a very special guest, and special thanks to you, the listener. Cheers, and stay tuned for more 320 Club. Wow. I really, really did a horrible job at that last bit. Anyway, thanks, guys.